please open your Bibles with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 18 tonight. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 through 18. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Please join me in a time of prayer. Father God, please, please help us to understand your word tonight through your Holy Spirit. Help us to, to apply it to our hearts and minds that we might better be able to share the glorious treasure that is the good news of your gospel, and that we would be renewed in Christ Jesus. We ask this all in his precious and holy name. Amen. So, so why do Christians grieve? Why, why do we have to hurt? Why, why do we have to be sick? In tonight's passage, we are confronted with this harsh reality uh, of, of our own frailty and weakness uh, through the lens of the Apostle Paul. As Justin Taylor points out uh, from 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28, uh, in his article, The Purpose of Paul's Suffering to Mediate Christ's Resurrection Life, Paul was, and now he's got this litany, whipped 39, with 39 lashes five different times. He, he was beaten with rods three different times, pummeled with stones, shipwrecked three different times. He was adrift at sea one night and one day. He, he had frequent journeys. He had, he had dangers from rivers, danger from robbers, uh, danger from his own people, danger from the Gentiles. He, he, he was at, in danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea. And danger from false brothers. He, he experienced toil and hardship. He had many sleepless nights. He was hungry and thirsty often and, and, and experienced the, the cold and he was exposed and, and, and constantly having this pressure of anxiety for all the churches daily. As, as we look to the life and words of Paul, like, we, can, we, can, we can ask ourselves, why did Paul, this once famous persecutor of the church, end up enduring all of these things for her? How, how can we begin to see that, that because of the surpassing power of God and the life, death, and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, we frail sinners can have confidence in extending grace 
to more and more people, increasing that they may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. To do this tonight, we're going to be looking at three things. We're going to be looking at, one, the reality of our condition, two, the reason for our frailty, and three, the reward that is beyond all comparison. So we have the reality, the reason, and the reward. So first, the reality. The, the, the first thing we have to cr- uh, confront in this passage tonight is, is that we Christians are but frail jars of clay. In a very real sense, we, we are these kind of uh, throwaways, the, the insignificant disposable, the red solo cup of the ancient world. But because, uh, because we are these frail vessels, we, we experience the pains of this fallen world that, that, that is because the world is against both us and God. Uh, we, we can see here in our passage tonight this shared experience that we have in verses 8 and 9. We, we are afflicted in every way, perplexed, persecuted, and stricken down. One doesn't have to search too long to hear about the persecution that our brothers and sisters are facing in places like Nigeria and Eritrea and China. It wasn't too long ago that that we read about the burning of churches in our own country as well. Some of us have been afflicted with with, with the agonizing uh, pain that comes with with experiencing the death of a child or or another loved one. We we are facing that that grim diagnosis or or experiencing a child who is wandering from the faith. Uh, Some of us are are dealing with the, the difficulties of aging in this fallen world. You know, some of you may be perplexed as you sit and you scratch your head at the loss of, of employment due to, to firmly held convictions or, or, or the feeling of what it is to be ostracized from your, you know, separated from, from your family and your, and your friends because you, you are standing on the word of God. The reality of our lives is, is, is that we are pilgrims on this earth and, and we're waiting for our eternal home with Christ a home where everything will be made right, and we feel this very much in the here and now, often in very heartbreaking ways. In verse 10, we, we read that, that we are all always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So, but what does it mean to carry in the body the death of Jesus? Well, well the, the actual Greek word here is probably better translated deadness. Um, that, that is, it's, a, it's an enduring state. It's, it's not, it's not one time, a one-time thing. It's, it's something that the Christian continually experiences um, rather than death as, as just that one-time finite thing or, or a past event. Um, Paul uses this, this rather infrequent word or, uh, over, over the usual or expected term for death, which is actually what is used in the next verse, in verse 11, um, when, when we read that, that we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. That's that final, the one-time past event, death for Jesus' sake. And, and in verse 12, we see that, that death is at work in us. The fact is that, that, that the Christian is in this continual process of, of experiencing affliction and hardship. But, but as we see, our, our external reality is made not so insignificant by the contents of, the, of this glorious treasure that we have inside. You know, we read that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So what is this treasure? Uh, well, well, in the earlier verses of, of chapter 4, we see that, that it is the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's verse 4. And then in verse 6, we read that, that it is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That, that is to say, this great treasure stored in these earthenware vessels is the good news of the gospel. 
that, that, that Jesus Christ came to this earth, he was born as a man, he, he lived a perfect life, died a gruesome death on the cross for you and for me, and, and he rose again from the dead. He's currently seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us, and, and, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead and reign forever. So, so, so we, we see in, in all this suffering, there's this gospel-oriented silver lining that in our suffering, in, in all this brokenness, uh, there's, it, it's for a purpose, that, that the, all the hardship in life are, are in fact actually missional, which brings us to the reason for our frailty. Look, look more carefully with me, if you would, at, at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then look down with me, if you will, at, at verses 10 and 12. Always carrying in the body the, the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. In the midst of, of the believer's affliction and hardships, God is using them to show his power and, and, and his grace to more and more people, increasing thanksgiving to the glory of himself. We endure so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies, the, that, that those around us might see a life of obedience and gratitude, a life of love, a life of service pointing to God the Father. We are continually being given over to this process of deadness in this life in, in order that the life of Jesus would, would be manifested in our mortal flesh. As Christians, we get to be the tangible agents of the gospel. We get to, to show, direct, and point people to Christ in these afflictions and hardships, in, in the aches and pains, in the, in the tear-filled nights, and, and in the battles against our own flesh. Verse 12 points this out uh, when, when Paul says to the Corinthians, so death is at work in us, but life in you. In that same article by Justin Taylor, it goes on to say, Paul's being beaten and beleaguered is a picture of Jesus' dying. His endurance and perseverance is a picture of the resurrection reality of Jesus' life. Paul's, Paul's suffering and sanctification are designed to be walking advertisements for Good Friday and Easter Sunday. He, he goes on to say that, that Paul saw the purpose of his suffering as a means to mediate, manifest, and magnify the resurrection power of his Savior. He, he was willing to endure incredible hardship as long as it meant uh, more grace leading to more gratitude leading to more glory for God. It, it, it was for the Corinthians that Paul is enduring these things here and, and it is for the other people in our lives today that we are enduring these hardships. These hardships that we are experiencing. So let me encourage you, experience them well. As you are grieving in the Lord, you are pointing people to Christ. In your physical pain, you are making known the truths of the gospel. In your sickness, you are letting people know the reason for the hope that you have in Christ. Don't let pride cover over these things. We, we, we can still all grow in this. Our, our, our text goes on to say, since, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. This, this, this quote from Paul, Paul's quoting uh, Psalm 116. That's what we read in our responsive reading earlier in the service. Psalm 16, verse 10. And, and, and the belief here is that of a believer who, who, who still cried out, 
I believe, even in the moments in which they were being afflicted. Uh, Just for a little more context, listen to these words again from Psalm 116, verses 5 through 10. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And now this is the verse that's quoted here by Paul, verse 10. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. So the psalmist says that he still believes even in the midst of all of his affliction. He, he has seen all the ways that God has dealt kindly with him. He, he, he sees all of the mercy, the salvation, the bounty, the deliverance. Uh, and, and it is because of this declaration that Paul aligns himself with this writer, calling it the same spirit of faith. But in, in a very real sense, Paul is also kind of like one-upping the psalmist here by saying, we also believe, and, and, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also, will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Paul is pointing out here that, that, that we have even more to be grateful for because we are on this side of the resurrection. Paul is, is saying that the suffering, sufferings of Christ are experienced in excruciating ways in the lives of believers, in the lives of those who believe in him. But, and, and don't forget this, so is his resurrection. Jesus' resurrection does not undo his death, it overcomes it, and it overcomes ours too. We see in verse 15, all, all of this is for the sake of those who need to know about the glorious riches we have in Christ, that, that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. In Paul's case, this meant the Corinthians, but, but who does it mean in your case? Is, is it your family? Maybe your neighbor, a friend, possibly a coworker. Again, our suffering as Christians, as, as the blood-bought sons and daughters of the one triune God is missional. Finally, we, we come to our last point in tonight's text, the reward. Paul here exhorts us to not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. He is saying that, that though you are living in the reality of, of this deadness in Christ, though you are afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and stricken down, this momentary affliction, as he calls it, is preparing you and me for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. An eternal weight of glory. That, that is something a disposable throwaway will never get, right? You are worth so much, than clay jar, so much more than clay jars in Jesus Christ. Instead, you have the right to be called children of God. This, this, is, this is quite an upgrade, right? You know, th- this is so good that Paul tells us that it is beyond all comparison. This, this weight stuff here, this language of wealth, this, the Hebrew term for, for glory means, means to be weighty. You know, the, the things that are measured in terms of weight are, are the things of wealth. You know, we think of the shekels of silver and the talents of gold here. Uh, and, and we can experience, and we, we experience this care and worth to, to some degree even right now, right? All the way back up there in verse 8 with that litany of all the stuff that we go through, we, we see that, that we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, 
but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. These gospel conjunctions, kind of, they, they, they show us that we are sustained here in our mission until we're not. And once that time comes to pass, we won't care. Compared to a blessed eternity with the one who raised the Lord Jesus, what are the hardships of this life but momentary afflictions? So what? These truths are, are, are all amazing, but, but what, do we, what do we do with them? Well, well we can start by, by being honest about where we are with those, those around us. Uh, we have to be okay with, with, with being these jars of clay. You know, are, are, are you being honest with those around you, allowing them to see your weakness to the glory of God? Are, 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 or are you putting up a front? Are, are you hiding all of the ways God is wonderfully working in your life? Are you turning yourself and others to, to the surpassing power of God in your affliction? Or are you trying to come across as some sort of special gilded vessel? Something that detracts from the good stuff inside. You have to remember that, that the treasure is the gospel. And by resting in and believing in that, the Father will raise us up into his presence. So don't, don't shortchange yourselves or, 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 or the others in your life. As, as Sinclair Ferguson says in his book, Devoted to God, there is no need to hide. As sinners, we cannot shield ourselves from God's gaze by weaving fig leaves together, but only by trusting in his righteousness. By faith, we learn that, that he has accepted us, sinners though we are. If, if, if that is true then, we no longer need to hide from him or, or pretend to him. But if we have been accepted by the one who knows our darkest secrets, we should also be increasingly delivered from the fear of others, from, from their opinions about us. In God's justification and acceptance of us, we, we learn to accept each other for his sake. But constantly pretending to be something we are not gives the lie to our acceptance with God. The result is a loss of fellowship. All becomes either superficial or artificial. And that is a mark of the old life, not the new. It is the way of the world, not the way that the church should be. By contrast, God has called his people to be different and to experience a special quality of fellowship which is found nowhere else. After all, if we are in Christ, our lives are now a part of a new family altogether. So, so your affliction and your hardships, they, they're, they're for a purpose. They, they are to show others, both inside and outside the church, the truth of the gospel. Are you doing that, Harvest? Are you pointing others to the truth we have in Christ during life's difficult providences? You know, during the job losses, during, during the illnesses, dur during uh, the times of bereavement, are you showing the steadfast love of God in Christ as you battle that addiction? Are you pointing others to an eternity with Christ as you, end the, as you near the end of time on this earth? An interesting thing about this passage is, not, is, is that there's not one single imperative. Do you know what that means, boys and girls? Do you know what this word imperative is? It, it, it means command. There is not one command in this whole chapter. It, it, it's all gospel truth. And the question I am asking is, are you seeing this fruit in your struggles? If not, are, are, are you abiding in Christ? 
Are you, are you regularly in his word? Are, are you so entrenched in him that others can't help but see these gospel byproducts in your life? Uh, the, the, the byproducts of a life that's radically changed by the good news of the gospel. It's my prayer tonight that each of us would, would experience this radical change. If you're sitting here tonight and, and, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please feel free to talk to either myself or one of the elders. I'm sure somebody around here would point you out in the right direction. We'd love to help you in any way that we can. Because if, if, if you don't know Christ, then you won't know his resurrection. And, and as we read elsewhere in Scripture, we do not know what tomorrow will bring. James 4, 4, for example, we read, What is our life? For, for we are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So just, just to wrap things up, let us focus on the surpassing power of God shown to us awesomely in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we frail sinners can have confidence in extending grace to more and more people that they may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. Why do we have to grieve? Why do we have to hurt? Why do we have to be sick? It so often looks like these are just obstacles to our happiness, right? These are actually open doors to gospel fruitfulness. Therefore, let us honestly know and portray who we are in him. And may we always be aware of our reason why. Let us not rest on pretense. Let us hold fast to the truth of the gospel and let our frailty do what it is supposed to do. Let it reach others with the truth of Jesus in, the, in our lives to the glory of God today. Let God grant it. Amen. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the amazing treasure that we have in the gospel. Thank you for Jesus, and thank you for, for using weak jars of clay, such as ourselves, as agents in proclaiming the riches of your glorious grace. Help us to have the courage to show others how you are working in each of our lives, that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. To your glory, we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.